Real Kipper and Born. We got Derek on tech. We got Semi producing. And we got a Leaf win. Now, Justin, I got to ask you because you're you're a data stat geek now. Um, you, you love the ex, uh, expected stuff mm. in your data. Can we, ha- can we have one that says pace? The pace. Mm-hmm. So the Leafs are on pace now to go 82 and 0. <laughs> can, is, is that a, a stat? Can we add that to I your collection? Say, I would say expected is maybe not right. You know, statistically, they are expected to go 80 and 0, so, or 82 and 0. So, you know, the stat guy approves. You, you're on to something, Kipper. 2 1 win over the Montreal Canadiens for the first game of the season. We're going to dissect it like crazy because that's what we do. And I don't know. There's nothing I want to talk to you outside of uh, uh, hockey, uh, Justin. I got to be honest with you. We we can't cover two hours if we're not talking, particularly about the Leafs. Yeah. So we're going to get into some good, some bad, and we're also going to have uh, a Jason York, NHL veteran, Sportsnet analyst. He's going to join us a little uh, later on in the show to help us tee up what the heck's going on in Ottawa. Breaking news, of course. They get their stud, Brady Kachuk, signed, sealed, and delivered. Seven years, $57.5 million. Mm-hmm. That's enough to make you want to come back. We'll get into that with Jason. Also, on the back half, John Butchigras, ESPN. NHL is back. You know that girl that... Like showed you no respect at school, all of them, and ignored you. <laughs> and then, what what did that make you do? Made you like go after more, more attention. Right, you right, threw right. her more attention. That's what ESPN did <laughs> with the NHL. They absolutely ignored them for what a decade. Yeah, and then they went back. Oh, and of course, we Gary got him. The league he took him back with check, open arms. Of course, hey, I mean they've been chasing. He, he, he got a pretty good check. It's not NFL or NBA money, but he got a pretty good check out of ESPN. So, uh, Butchie's going to come by and uh, and tell us all about it uh, later on in the show. So, just your initial thoughts. We're going to get into Nylander. We'll get into en- uh, Engball. We'll we'll get into a ton of it, uh, JB, and and. Uh, just your overall thoughts on on opening game. For me, uh, a little disappointing on the energy of the Leafs, particularly on that mm-hmm. start. And I only say that because uh, there seemed to have been a bit of a, a, a different narrative. And, you know, I, I want to go back, uh, before I get your thoughts, I want to yeah, just yeah. go back to Jake Muzzin because Jake's the type of guy that doesn't really talk a lot, but when he does, I want to hear him. Because I, I think he's got some interesting things to say. And uh, I found this clip in particular uh, interesting to me. And this was the morning of yesterday's game. Sammy, can we off. hear that? Um, you guys are pissed off. Um, you know, and we came into camp to work. It wasn't to, to just go through the motions. It was it was to get better. And, and there was a little anger in some guys. And, and, and we're going to need that throughout the whole season. Guys were pissed off. That's what I remember out of that quote. And the other one, there's a little anger in some guys. And JB, 
I, I like it. I, I, I like it, and it, it's good on him if he really feels that way. But I'm watching Toronto and Montreal last night, and I, I didn't get the feel like they played a little pissed off. And I certainly didn't get any anger out of the Leafs. You you tell me something mm-hmm. different. My eyes see what you uh, what you saw. You know the Leafs are never going to come out and uh, you know punch guys' heads off their shoulders. That was never going to be the type of anger it was going to be. But going into that game, was every reason to believe that the Leafs were just going to come out gangbusters the way that they know how, right? Like offense, speed, skill, just a wave after wave of of uh, pressure. That's what you would have anticipated. Back home, the fans are back. You're playing Montreal, who just broke your hearts back from a 3-1 upset. And then, yeah, no, it was not... I don't even want to say the effort wasn't there. The brains weren't there. Like, you know, blown coverages, guys getting caught up ice, chances against that they had to lean so heavily on Jack Campbell in the first 10 minutes against that Montreal Canadiens team after what happened last year and the fans finally being back really disappointing opening. Okay. I'm, I'm not the only, I'm, I'm not the only one that said that, uh, you know, Muzzin's quote, there's a lot of, I got a lot of passion out of that. I just didn't get it necessarily out of that first game. And is that just me overanalyzing over reading one of 82? We got the win. Yeah. Let's move on because that's the sense that you got in, in post game comments. But I, I just, th- the boys are still coming off one of the most humiliating playoff losses in history. Right. You know, it was it was just so surprising, I guess. But what I wanted to see, Kipper, not not like any of that anger they were talking about. What I wanted to see was just them wanting to prove to everyone that, listen, last year was a fluke. Montreal can't hang with us. Like, clearly they're not as good, and that's not the way the game started. So disappointing start, but to their credit, they did find their feet, right? Like, they were, we're talking about a 2-1 win against the Montreal Canadiens, opening night, fresh season. Um, they did find themselves after that start. Just a surprising way to begin things. And they can thank Jack Campbell for that. Oh, because yes. Because oh, th- yes. those, first, those first, what, few minutes, five minutes, uh, six Six shots on goal. I was thinking he Cujo. was. He we had Cujo on yesterday. He, he talked a lot about Jack Campbell and and certainly spoke of his talent level. And we've seen it from day one in training camp. This guy has been steady. He he looks like he he's ready for the challenge through training camp, and then he comes in, and the team needs him. Like in the first five minutes, that team really put it on upon him. To hold the fort here, they could have been down two nothing. Oh yeah, no question, very easy. But uh, I-, I thought he was by far and away the best player on the ice for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, so that was kind of how we wanted to get into this here, right? Like, let's p- start with the good things. We'll we'll get into the bad and and uh, you know some of the uglies, I guess. Uh, you know, where's the, where's it going to go from here? Campbell is a good thing for me. One thing Sammy uh, was saying, our producer, what was the phrase you were using, uh, McKee, for for Campbell? Uh, I'm now I forget, but it was something about standards. He's setting this, a standard. Yes, he set the expected standard. expected standard. Right. Oh, okay. All right. Good. And that's right because it, it does set the standard now for Peter Mrazek. It's like okay, you have to beat that. That's the guy who has the crease now. You have to be better than him, and it raises the bar for him. They get the goaltending early. One of the things it reminded me of is we talked about when Vegas had their first game in the NHL, and they came out and they got just beat down 
you know, the the other team rolled them over, but Flurry made save after save after save, kept them in it. They get the win. They get the good vibes going. That's what Jack Campbell did for the Leafs last night. The other thing that uh, continues to impress me is uh, lack of rebounds on him. He's like a sponge, man. He sucks everything in. And and now that you've got a, a guy that can win some face-offs in, in camp and we'll know he'll take a lot of defensive zone draws, uh, that's a that's a pretty good way to get back puck possession, yeah. and uh, and Campbell's got that ability to not give teams second and third chances. Yeah, no, that was a that was the story of the game last night. Doesn't happen without Campbell, so he makes the stops and keeps him in. And uh, who else did you like last night? What what did you see, Kipper? That you felt like okay, we got we got some good things happening here at the start of the Leaf season. Well, let's follow up with uh, Engvall, okay? Because opportunity. Uh, is right there. Uh, Mikheyev goes down, right? Mm-hmm. And now there's opportunity for him. Uh, 15 minutes, got the goal. And I'll tell you what was the most impressive for me last night out of Engvall is that Gallagher goes in to Campbell mm-hmm. and he's there to give him a little bit of a shot there. It could have been easy, a drive by and nothing happens. I like the fact that he stuck his nose in there, gave Gallagher a shot and just exactly about the things that we talked about earlier this week, JB is that you need guys to drag you into a bit of a dirty area. And right then and there, Morgan Riley's there. And even Kasha who's on the ice and really doesn't want anything to do with that sort of stuff, (laughs) gets drawn in. And what happens out of all of that? One penalty, the best player on Montreal, Josh Anderson, is now unavailable to try to score the goal late in the game for Montreal. Mm -hmm. And you don't really know sometimes how that thing's going to turn out, but that's the sort of stuff I think that has been missing in the past for Toronto. Can Engball do that on on some nights when he's not scoring? Can he can he get people? He's a big guy, huge, JB. Huge. Who can skate. And if that frame can get in the way of a few people, he can cause that type of commotion. That to me was a sign that kind of pushes towards winning a seven-game series, not losing one. You know what I liked out of Engvall last night? He skated the right GD way. He took the puck to the opposite net. Like when Keith came in and he was like, hey, everyone has permission to take the puck back in the neutral zone. You know, they're going to do this regroup puck possession thing. They're not going to just dump it in. You know, it's a turnover. So Engvall, every touch he got for God, two years now, he's turned around and turned around and delayed. And can we just get it moving forward? You're six foot five and you skate like the wind. Can you get it moving forward? I thought he took the puck forward really well last night. Looked confident with it. Obviously, the pump he makes and the step to the inside on the shot. Uh, confident play. Good shooter to begin with. He can get a lot of a lot of meat behind it. You liked him in a guy in the guy's face. So uh, good all round from Engvall. Why don't we listen to uh, what Sheldon Keefe had to say uh, last night about Engvall shooting for the empty net was involved there too, which uh, you know maybe dicey choice there. Really strong game, I thought. Skated well, scored us a big goal on the power play, gave us a lot of great shifts, had some tough assignments, uh, you know, playing against some of their top people and starting in our own end a lot, a lot of the time. 
So yeah, I, I thought he was he was really good. So good that we'll give him a pass on shooting at the empty net there. Thank you, Sheldon. Had to be Thank said. you for at least bringing some old school mentality back. Can you tell me in the last few years when did it become patting your stats on an empty net and you get to fire it anywhere you want on the ice for an icing and nobody really cared. When did that happen, Justin? And that, is, that is analytically driven. That is for sure. I think it's like outside of 30 seconds. The, you know, you're smarter to shoot at the net because if you bury it, the game's over. You can end the game and not have to worry about any of this stuff at your own net. With 12 and a half seconds left, maybe you don't need to draw back at your own end. But I, I do think it's a push from numbers, people saying... You can end the game outright. You're going to make that shot X amount of times. You don't like it, eh? No, just off the boards and out and still make them come 180 feet. You still get, and you're in your positions defensively. I just don't, I I don't get it. And, you know, you can't help but thinking, you know, Engvall, like, stop being greedy here. It's just guys get a little cookie hungry. Well, and also, I, I don't know if there's a gentle way to frame this, but, like, I don't think he's the, the thinker on the team. Like, I think he's a, you know, he's a talented, big machine. You know, I, I saw Jason Spezza not touching a puck, hoping that Montreal would touch it uh, on, a, on a high stick in the game. And I was like, that guy's thinking the game as it's happening. I don't know necessarily that happens with, with Pierre all the time. Oh, God. <clears throat> I used to have coaches tell me, Kipper, just follow the arrows. Follow the arrows. <laughs> John oh, Burbich, follow the arrows. I'm like, John, there's no really arrows on the but ice. But if there are, tell me, because yeah, I'm really I'm looking out there. You know the arrows I drew on the board in the dressing room? Yeah, just follow the arrows. Were you a drill wrecker? <laughs> I hated going first. Oh, yeah. I hated it because... <laughs> Yeah, that means you got to really pay attention. Really pay attention. So Engvall's not the overall thinker. So who is Kempf? Because sure, uh, you, you could start thinking about maybe once Matthew Matthews comes back, but that's still uh, a couple of games away. But this this line seems to be intact, and one that I think Sheldon is really hoping will be intact all season long. Yeah. Well, I mean, great early returns from the uh, Kampf, Kasha, Engvall line. You know, Kampf was wonderful. One face-offs, great on the penalty kill for them, um, which is something they need in the absence of Zach Hyman. But Kasha, you know, guy played a hockey game last night. He actually led the team on on shots from the slot. He had six shots on net, and five of them were from the middle of the ice. Like, he, he had some good opportunities last night. Uh, I don't know if you're going to get that every night from that line, but if you can have a third line that can give you that kind of performance once every few nights, boy, you got a pretty good third line. What does Kasha need to kind of resume his his career here? Yeah. Three years ago, I think he had a 20-goal season in Anaheim, and he's one of those better young players that you, you heard about the upside uh, with the Ducks. Yeah, And then, of course, injuries had set in. And uh, how many minutes did he play last season? Um, it well, was six hockey games, I think. Right? So now in this scenario, uh, I, I got to think – 15, 20 goals has to be uh, something that they're really hoping they get out of this guy. He gets goals or games. Yeah. <laughs> 15, 20 yeah, games. Maybe I'm just uh, getting a little ahead of myself, but this is 
this is what you're down to really needing and hoping a guy that maybe the odds are still against him as as you had just mentioned but he he has to he has to be a player for this team i do think that the more he plays the more he gets in the better he'll feel about himself like sam was going through the his his previous four seasons he's played like 88 games over the last four seasons that's an average of 22 games per season like the guy's probably he wants to find a rhythm again so that's my hope for Kasha, like expectations low in terms of output in the first quarter of the season. But if you can play in every hockey game, I think you'll see a better version of him going forward. Well, pucks on net aren't, aren't an issue for him. Uh, you, you got a right. sense last night. He wants to be around the net. I think he, I think he may have even led the team last night he in did, shots yeah. with, with five. Yeah, six. So that, that seems to be uh, at least in his wheelhouse, but maybe a guy that doesn't need five shots to score a goal anymore is is Nylander. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and it just seems that maybe he's he's picked up where he left off to close out uh, the Montreal Canadiens' uh, first round uh, disappointment. But he looks different to me. He looked different in that series. And mm-hmm. the the thing that I've I, I can see outside of the skill that's a constant is he's just working harder. I, I, I That's the only way I can sum it up, JB, is that I think he's taking his craft a little more serious. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know what I liked yesterday from him was I saw him on the bench. You know, they cut to the bench at one point, and he's talking down the bench and give, directing traffic, like yelling over the team, not mad at someone, just being like, all right, here, we're here, I want it there, whatever. Like that... That's a confident Willie Nylander talking, uh, you know, as I said, directing traffic. But also what I notice more than anything else, and I've got an article coming out on this tomorrow, is his, his, he's big. He's become like a man. Like he's a big, strong dude out there. He, had, he was one-handing guys, holding the puck on his stick with one hand off it, holding guys off of him, confidently letting the contact come to him, taking the contact and hanging onto the puck like six separate times. He he just wore guys like dinner jackets out there and then made the play he wanted to make. He's he's a strong human being and you know he didn't look like that when he was a little elfish Willie at like 19 years old. Wee Willie. Wee Willie. He ain't Wee Willie. I don't know no, what he's weighing in no. at these days but he looks like a tank. And for Lee fans you just hope that he can he can bring that again for me at this level it's I I pay more attention to the the work in between the goals than than the goals themselves and i think when we when we watched last night i gotta tell you i didn't notice nick ritchie all that much and in fact i i don't he was credited i think with just two hits and i there's such a fine line there between waiting for the game to come to you and you actually going to find the game yeah and it's been an issue with him throughout his career but last night was a typical game where you don't really notice him. And how many of those how many of those games can you have in Anaheim? And then how many of those games can you have in Toronto? Because we're game one, man, and we're <laughs> picking know. it apart already. I, I That's legitimately the thing I, I was talking about before the show. I was like, that guy, this may not be the market for him. Because that first game, that line with Tavares, uh, Marner, and Richie, I can't, I couldn't help but think the same thing halfway through the game. I you know I was getting texts from people being like, Boston just didn't want this guy, huh? Like they didn't, they just said have him. They, they didn't want to sign him and trade him, or they just ah oh, he's yours. Like that's not a good sign. 
So the idea is that he was going to have to find some level of consistency that he hadn't found in the past. And last night is a the first check in the a red mark, I guess, not not a positive one. Yeah. On the eighty-two game season. And he, he scored a couple of goals in preseason, and that's that's good. I mean, it's good Great. for anybody's confidence that you have the ability to finish plays. Uh, but if if just the thinking is I'm going to hang around in front of the net and just wait for pucks to come because Mitch Marner and you know Tavares they they get their points, I'll get my points too. It's it, it won't be good enough for him. This guy has to have a presence. He mm-hmm. he needs a few Engvall moments late in the game where you just you start drawing people in. And I love it. Be more just, like Pierre Engvall. Just, I love it. Just didn't. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Hey, let's give him credit. I, yeah. I'll give him credit for 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 a lot last night. But yeah. now here you are, twenty four hours later. We're gonna get to. Uh, Jason York to come on and give us his thoughts about uh, Toronto and Ottawa tonight as the Leafs go back to back. Uh, but right now, I think if Sheldon or Kyle or Brendan Shanahan aren't whispering in Richie's ear to get the consistency going, then um, you know I think something's wrong here because he's got to he's got to he's got to jump on this early. He can't. He can't sleep for the first couple of weeks. Do you believe you can find that? Like, where would you even start to go to find consistency? Honestly, I don't even know what it means necessarily, like how to consistently. Yeah. It was maybe it was a flaw of mine as a player, but like, how do yeah. you do what Zach Hyman did? Zach Hyman, part of the reason yeah. he's paid as much as he is is because he he can do it. Yeah. Well, as someone that kind of played this this role, Justin, the whole key in all of this is your ability to read a play and get in on a four check. Okay. Okay. And you can't get anything going if if you're too late on a four check and all of a sudden you're turning up, coming back up the ice. Go watch that game last night and see how many times that that Nick could not get in on a four check or or create. Now, you know, I mean, when I think of Zach Hyman, Mm-hmm. That's the first thing that that sticks out for me is that he had that ability to 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 have a puck, maybe dump it ten or fifteen feet, and somehow come up with it. I know, and then start cycles. I didn't see too many cycles last night. Did you? No. Why? Because no, no one was turning no, no puck sustained over. Four check. You gotta stop the breakout. Right. You gotta you gotta you, puck retrieval, and then start the four check, and then have somebody drive it to the net that to me was missing. And not only was it missing out of maybe uh, uh, Nick Ritchie and and Tavares, but it was also missing off of Spezza and Wayne Simmons. And those guys like Wayne Simmons, if he's not fighting, he has to have a look on the four check Mm -hmm. and you've got to anticipate and you've got to turn pucks over and you got to have D looking over their shoulders going, uh, I don't want to hit, uh, I don't want the Wayne train coming in on me right now. Right. And that th- that look was missing last night for me. I could not agree more. Like, if I were to build a fourth line in the NHL today, you're looking to build a line where guys are making, you know, a million bucks or less or, you know, lower salaries. I don't necessarily want someone who can fight. I don't necessarily want someone who, you know, try to have a talented fourth line. I want a four-checking fourth line. 
I want a line. Everyone talks about the Islanders' fourth uh, identity line and what they do. Casey Sezikis is a puck hunter. He goes to get the hockey puck. That is like the top of his to-do list. Clutterbuck chases guys down on the forecheck. Same thing. Martin may not be fast, but he'll finish his checks everywhere they go. That's the reason that fourth line works so well. Got to read it, though. You got to read it. And, you know, the shortest distance is a straight line. And sometimes, you know, you you don't want to look like that family circus uh, cartoon where the kid's in the backyard and he's he's covered every ounce of the backyard (laughs) to find his little wagon. Yeah. That's not NHL forechecking. No. No, you need someone who knows, yeah, can read the lines. It's an art. That was Hyman. That Zach Hyman is an F1 forechecking machine. Dream. Dream. Yeah. Because it's not just about forcing a D to to hurry up. It's actually taking the puck off the D. Yeah. Getting them stopped. That's the the, the goal of F1 is just to stop that puck, stop the the player. If you ask me, if if I was a coach right now for the Toronto Maple Leafs, talking to Richie. Nick Richie, come in here and and watch your four checks. Yeah. And watch how many times you're a little late, and now now you're you're, you're skating back up the ice through the neutral zone. How do you feel you, about the three second late hit? You know, like not not the late like egregious hit, just the finished check. Because a lot of times now they say just keep your feet yeah. moving, get back on D. We don't need you. Yeah, I can kill that penalty all day long. You don't mind today? <laughs> no, and it just it'll make you think yeah. as a defenseman. Not only is the guy that you just maybe hit a guy a little late on, but there's five other uh, guys, right, on the uh, ones on the ice, and there's four other on the bench that will notice, okay, I got to yeah. keep my head head up when that yeah, guy's they're coming. they're coming, they're finishing. And that, uh, that, that, that needs to come into Nick Ritchie real soon here, maybe as early as, as tonight. So his what line else stood then, out for you? Well, do you want to – we got a couple – well, one more positive thing, two more positive things. Should we move on from that? Basically, Bunting well, came just as advertised, a, a, and the PK was good. Bunting uh, drew penalties. I loved that one play in front of the net when he took about five or six whacks at the puck. <laughs> the puck was nowhere near where he's swinging either. It doesn't either. matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's just in there because chopping if wood. If you're Jake Allen or another goaltender in the league watching that game last night, that's what you remember. Yeah, you know they're, so, they're going to be in the, in the blue paint. You got to be drew a penalty. The only the only thing I bit of a dive. I, I, I would it. I would kind of uh, you know not warn him on or but just to keep an eye on is that it, you can easily get a reputation for a guy that's I the drawing same penalties. Same thing last but night. It, but but the reputation for drawing penalties to the reputation for for being a diver, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's a very uh, thin line. Yeah, and it's one of those ones that, like, that was a call last night, a great example of a call that if he does that a few times, he's not getting that call in December because they're like, ah, this guy again. This guy who you know, needs handles on his jersey. we got to pick him up off the ice so much. Uh, you don't want to be that guy. I, st- I mean, he drew a penalty, great play, not going to knock it. Uh, Leafs score on it. Leafs win by a goal. Not going to knock the play, but there was no doubt that was uh, yeah, a little bit of a... Yeah, I'm glad you picked up on that because I, 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 I watched him a couple of times and little sometimes slow to get up and kind of over, you know, yeah. you want to add some drama to your, the game. But it's just uh, something that you want to just have a fine line on for sure. All right. So, you know, lots of talk actually uh, before the game uh, that uh, the game wasn't sold out. And, you know, we last 
said, at least I did, that maybe it had something to do with, uh, you know, a, a late decision to uh, add capacity to to the arena. Sure. Uh, did you get that one tweet from from someone that had us on it, and and basically, you know, what they Depends. said was, I, I'm I'm not paying one dime more out of this team yeah. until I see something better. Well, you, you hear that threat. You hear it a lot. Do you think there's any of that at all out there coming off of this pa- pandemic or at least coming off of failure, not being allowed to go to the games anymore? I think it's just failure. I think people are sick to death of watching a talented Leafs team not do more in the playoffs. And Montreal going to the Stanley Cup final last year with a not awesome team did not help. So I, I think there's legitimate frustration from the fan base. I don't know if they'll notice a difference in their bottom line. I don't think they're not going to be sold out, but I, there's definitely people not willing to spend money on the product anymore. Let's bring in our producer, Sammy, because I want to get his thoughts. Uh, you're thinking retribution from being embarrassed out of a, a first round uh, knockout by Montreal, you get them in your home opener that uh, the, what did they announce? 18,400, which I I don't think was even close, but whatever, whatever was in that building, I thought the energy would have been fantastic. And at least for me watching the game last night in my living room, I didn't get the sense that there was a ton of energy in that building and you you tell me let's start with you sammy did you get the sense that it was it's kind of quiet to start it really did feel like especially during the intros fellas it felt like people were really sitting on their hands and like spezza got the biggest pop willie got a decent pop with the rest of the guys like sandine it said it was like a murmur so <laughs> i i don't know if it came down to potentially it being like the way that sportsnet mixed it and it was just it's hard to tell you know with the sound if it's really sounding bad, but on my TV, on the couch, it did not sound good at all. So I don't know. I, I kind of respect the sitting on the hands, you know, like the last memory of these guys playing hockey against this hockey team was not a very good one. So like I can understand not being really thrilled and really fired up for these, you know, generic intros, but you know, towards the end of the game, I thought they were really popping. They were going crazy for that five on three when Hall had that big shot block. So I thought they kind of warmed into the game. You know, I don't think a normal activity is for people just to scream at their top of their lungs for an entire game. But I did think they were a little bit crap, uh, a little bit, you know, weak for an opening night crowd. But I think the Leafs have kind of earned that over these years, don't you? I, I don't know. I mean, they were hurting, really hurting, getting knocked out by Montreal. And, yeah, Scarred and maybe people. there's a bit of a a wait and see attitude here, which is completely fair. It is fair. It is fair. I mean, the what's the you pay two hundred bucks to go to a hockey game. You can sit on your hands if you want. You can do whatever you want to get in. Yeah, I mean, in the bleeders. Two hundred ten years ago. In Have the you seen the prices lately? <laughs> yeah. Well, you could get in for one thirty in the upper deck last night. You got a Sportsnet discount? No, I definitely don't have that. But I'm interested because I'll be going to the game on on Saturday night with with uh, we're doing the lease broadcast. We'll be live from the Scotia Bank for the first time in a long time. So. I'll be in the building. It'll be nice to see see how the energy is there Saturday night. I know it's against the Sens. It's not the Habs, but I don't think it came across very well on TV last night, boys, at all. You know, what didn't help, though, was the Montreal Canadiens, and they got off to a good start. And Jonathan Durant, of course, with everything that he's gone through, that, that was a great story. Awesome they, they they did get shot out of a can, and that, that uh, Josh Anderson play on that two-on-one uh, Muzzing got cut up uh, in the neutral zone. Really gave them a, an amazing first five minutes. 
But after that, you didn't see much out of that team at all. Do you, you got the sense, JB, they Montreal might be in a little trouble here, especially yeah. without the presence of of Weber and and Price. Well, you know, I'm looking at a team that two years ago was the 24th best, and last year was the 18th best in the regular season. And one of the reasons they were so good is they had a well, the analytically beloved line of Gallagher, Tatar, and Deno were one of the best lines by you know shot attempt numbers. They're they're gone. Two thirds of that they're gone. Weber's gone. Price is gone. Like, it's not like they got no one. Dvorak's a nice ad, but that's a replacement for Kakaniemi. Like, they're they're worse. They're, they're a worse team than they were a year ago when they weren't very good. So this might be a bad hockey team, Kipper. This doesn't look like a playoff team to me. Not sure if, uh, if listeners, you, you had a chance to listen to PJ Stock uh, yesterday, but uh, if you haven't, uh, I encourage you to find the podcast and and listen to him because he's... He's in Montreal, uh, the sense that he has, the angles that he's had, and there's there's a real sense from him that uh, better days may not lie ahead for this organization, including whether or not Bergevin, their general manager, is re-signed. But I, I'm watching Gallagher last night, and you know some of the concerns that they had with him in the prior uh, last season kind of snuck up on me or snuck up again in game one where I'm, I'm not sure what he's supposed to be here. I mean, he's paid as if he should be a number one guy and I, he's having issues showing that he's a frontline player for the Montreal Canadiens. Well, they had him on the third line there making six and a half million dollars, not on the power play, not on either unit. I don't think if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So, uh, 12, 13 minutes, 14 minutes on some nights. Like there just doesn't seem to be uh, a loving relationship right now. It's not working for Gallagher in Montreal. I, I just wonder how big of an issue this is going to get. Well, I, f- first off, I think they had to pay him and they, you know, there, there's a lot of like loyalty there. He's been through a lot, but, you know, handing him Evans and Armia at, 29 years old, it's not going to get better for Gallagher. So if you're not going to use him in a more significant role than that now, I, I don't know. Yeah, it seems like a lot for a guy who you're pegging as sort of a, uh, you know, disruptor and third line guy. Yeah, you know what's a lot to ask for too is Suzuki to carry this thing up the middle of the ice. At 22. Uh, at, at this stage of his career. And all that contract will do in Montreal is make people say that you're our guy now and you have to do this and we have to win with you doing that. And I, I mean, he's a good player and he's going to be a, a, a very good player. Is he going to be a superstar? I'm not sure still what he is exactly. Do I envision him absolutely without question being a number one centerman on a Stanley cup contending team? JB, I, I got to say, no, I'm not sure. I'm not sold. And maybe when this is all said and done and Montreal gets them themselves in another scenario where they're knocking on the door for a Stanley Cup, he might be a great number two. Yeah. So is this uh, Jack Eichel? Can they get Jack Eichel without trading him? Like, If it's not Jack, it's, it's one other guy that they could really use to help Suzuki out. But until then, I think that... Uh, the pressures that will mount on his shoulders this season mm-hmm. will, yeah, and 
at times be very unfair. Well, it's funny. Like I look at Montreal's lineup and I kind of feel like I, I did in playoffs where you don't see anywhere and go, God, they're terrible there because they're not terrible anywhere. They're just not great anywhere. You know, like you're going to have rough stretches from guys like Anderson and Duran and Toffoli and, you know, young guy like Caulfield, you can't expect too much. So I just, who's going to do it every night for the Montreal Canadiens? You know, you're looking at 82 games. Who's going to score goals? Who's yeah. going to break open those close ones? It's tough to find someone yeah. who's going to do it consistently. Well, they, there, there's, I like Josh Anderson, but I don't put him in the same uh, game-breaking goal-scoring mode as William Nylander. Like, that was such a perfect game for the Leafs where it, it may not be going your way, and it's yeah. not pretty, but all we need is a small window for a guy that has talent like Willie Nylander, and that's the difference between no points and two points. So and true. Josh An- it's and why Josh you don't Anderson's- trade Willie Nylander, by the way, everyone who hates Willie Nylander. And, and, and Josh is great, but he, he still wouldn't be able to do that constantly because his talent level just from a pure goal scoring ability isn't isn't in the same ballpark as as Willie Nylander. The, he, he's almost like is, fancy Engvall to me, Anderson. Like big body, great skater, can do a lot of things. I don't think of him as like a cerebral player who plays off his line mates tic tac toe. He just he's yeah. toolsy. He's gonna beat yeah. you down the ice. He's gonna out muscle you. He's got all the and skills. I, I love him. I, I think uh, so funny, eh? When he's in color, uh, Columbus, that you know, teams weren't knocking on their door to to take this guy. There, there's some real issues there. Where, again, they thought he was kind of Nick Ritchie in terms of why isn't this guy like Anaheim? Why isn't this guy right. doing it all the time? And what's going on? Does he does he like hockey? Does he? And that's a fair question, by the way. Right? Do you have any teammates that you were like, ah, I don't even know if this guy wants to be here. Oh, all day long, buddy. All day long. <laughs> like and, that's a real thing. Some and, guys and just you, happen to be oh, good. Oh, no, 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 no. It's real. Yeah. Like you're, you've got the talent. You're good enough to be there. But we sat around a lot of dinners, a lot of beers on a table going, that guy doesn't like hockey. <laughs> this guy would be rather, he'd rather be doesn't, doing something else. Just pays too much. loves the 15th and the 30th. Yeah. Loves it. Right? Payday. Yeah. But hey. Can't, can't blame the guys for doing it, but we can't pretend like there's not a difference between some guys' motivation levels because there is. What, what, remains, what remains there is that you have guys that you know live and breathe it, and they live and breathe it 24-7, mm. and it's almost obsessive. And Yeah, you got to be a little the, bit weird to be a pro athlete. The ones, the ones with the, the greatest talent that end up somehow being the hardest workers or the – on a 24 hour basis, the most committed. And sometimes it works for somebody. Sometimes it's too much, right? There's a fine line for everybody, but usually the, the Sid Crosby's of the world with all that talent, Crosby, McDavid, these guys are mental and and the work ethic. Yeah. Right. You ever hear that? Like Larry bird would shoot like a hundred free throws in a row and wouldn't leave till he'd hit them all like a hundred in a row. And it's like, well, that's insanity. It's like, yeah, because you have to be mental to be the best. Like uh, here's some stories about Nate. McKinnon yeah. in Colorado's dressing room, eh? And, right. Uh, the food that's in there and all of that. Uh, Is it like, sure so this guy go away? Can you just I'm leave sure us alone? I'm sure there's a few Timmy's uh, donuts here and there, but uh, probably not as many as you think. No. For 
for Nate. And then there's some guys just dying, just dying to get to the Timmies if they can. So All I'm right, gonna... JB, we're going to take a break on Real Kipper and Bourne. Leafs go back-to-back, face the Ottawa Senators tonight in Ottawa. Uh, JB, forgot to ask you earlier in the show, which mm-hmm. I want to hit on, is you see the first Toronto Maple Leaf power play, and it's almost like you know a kid at Christmas. Eh? It's like a present. You can't wait <laughs> to see it for real. So much talk about it in, uh, in preseason, and you – you want to see the new look. It's a brand new bike under the Christmas tree. What were your first thoughts when when you saw it? I saw I saw Spezza take a 40-foot shot for a whistle, and I'm like, that wasn't in the playbook. <laughs> no, but you know what it was, is them finding Mitch Marner in the middle, and I saw them just jamming it in there. You know, like they tried to work one low and work it back up to Mitch, and it was like, guys, if it's not there... I, I don't. Weird. I didn't see a lot of touches out of Mitch Marner. He didn't uh, get many, but they worked. They worked two down it from down low back up into the slot where he wasn't able to get a shot off or much of one anyway. So uh, they they had ideas. They knew what they wanted to do. Uh, a little too eager, I thought. We're gonna have to wait a couple of more games to see Matthews work his magic on on the bumper bumper position. Uh, certainly didn't look good when Tampa did it the other night either. Man, that was a dud for Tampa Bay against Pittsburgh. Yeah. You know, I, you, you wonder if people will figure him out eventually. Probably not. They have too many weapons, too many ways to go. When Matthews comes back, it'll make more room for Marner because the D will be pulled to Matthews a little bit more. Marner should have a little bit more space there. Just waiting on John Butchagross from ESPN. He's going to come up momentarily as well, get into so much around the National Hockey League. Uh, ESPN, of course, much anticipated along with TNT. Did you catch the Charles Barkley, Wayne Gretzky little, uh, shootout? I did. Shoot around. Is that what we call them? I did. I, you know what? I happened to see another clip of you teaching Charles Barkley to take a wrist shot from years prior. So Charles is not light on NHL experience. What, how does that even come to be? What was he doing in studio? Uh, it was, uh, the, the, the Raptor run. And either he was covering a playoff game for the Raptors or he took some time off to actually just come up. And uh, Christine Simpson was kind enough. She knows Charles fairly well over the years. And I got to get to know Charles Barkley a little bit uh, at the Wayne Gretzky uh, golf tournament up in Collingwood. Uh, And he was absolutely awesome. His love for the game, his uh, relationship with John Cooper, the Tampa Bay Lightning, all of that. He really, really loves the game. So Christine was kind enough to have him come into the studio and, and uh, we set up the net and his his wrist shot was as bad as his golf swing. <laughs> and I they were smart enough. Someone so athletic can be so unathletic. And they were smart enough to put him in goal with Gretz. Yeah, they're uh, like, we're not going to make you swing this thing. We don't want to. No one wants to see the yips in a swing. See the hitch. Gretz, by the way, did not exactly slide one on the ice for uh, for Barkley to make a save. He just went top cheese right on the first shot. Great to see Gretzky. Uh, you know, can still do it. I would have made sure if I was Gretz that he was wearing a cup. That's all. <laughs> just led things off in an entertaining fashion. Ah, oh, wouldn't it have been funny if he just squared him right up? In the middle, yeah. no, no, I, I would have not anticipating that at all. Fun. Well, listen, so much talk about TNT in the states and ESPN, and our next 
guest, uh, John Butchergrass, of course, hosting The Point as well on ESPN. So much anticipation. Uh, we were talking about Christmas Day and the feeling uh, for some Leaf fans watching a new power play. Is, did it feel like Christmas for you all over again, John? <laughs> yeah, it sure did. It's been some rough times uh, uh, here at the network. You know, we've had multiple layoffs the last five years. The, certainly the pandemic has – this place is always like a college campus. You walk in the cafeteria, and there's an analyst from every sport there, you know, whatever it might be. And just always – the place was always an electric place to come to work, but the last 18 months has been, you know, pretty dour. So this – you know, the whole NHL thing, and, and it's how much the, the companies behind it is what really matters. And so it really has added a jolt to the campus, and it really uh, – a breath of good news uh, after these last few years. Bucci, I think back to like how the woolly mammoth is, you know, preserved in the blood is preserved in a mosquito in amber somewhere. And they tried to bring this thing back these days. It's like hockey at ESPN. How's it been trying to keep it alive? You're the sole person, I feel like, who's been pushing (laughs) for this thing to stay alive. It's been an uphill fight for you, I know. He had a couple good teammates in Levy and, of course, Barry. So they've hung in there. Yep, and, and Linda Cohn as well. She's been in the crease the last couple of years. But, yeah, you know, there's a, you know, the infrastructure here of people with a lot of hockey fans. You know, we're in the Northeast, and in America, that's where most of the hockey fans are, you know, the New York area and Boston. Certainly the Hartford Whalers were big, and we're right in the middle of old whaler country. So, uh, it's, you know, I just love the sport. And, you know, we did a good job covering on Sports Center at night. The rest of the day, they, they didn't do a very good job. Um, now I'm sure they'll be told to talk about it uh, <laughs> since we are a partner, but that's how this business works. You want your partners to do well because, uh, you know, you don't have time to talk about everything. So the people that we write gigantic checks to, we're going to show their highlights first. That's just how this works. And uh, there's really only one sports center in this country, you know, in terms of a national highlight show. So I think it's, you know, it's good for the NHL. And I thought it would energize the league when we made that announcement but I think the, the, it's, it's really surprised me how much more it has. It has carried over now to opening night, TNT as well. Um, two of us have, will have basketball and NBA and NHL playoffs in the spring. It'll be easy for the customers to find, easy for the viewers to find, two networks, both sports. And so, yeah, I think it's a good time for the NHL this next five to seven years. ESPN debuting, uh, debuting uh, with Tampa Bay and Pittsburgh the other night. The panel, Levy. Messier, Chelios, Barry Melrose. Now, was it you who took Barry shopping for new suits? Was there a tug and uh, tug of war over can he wear the old suits or do I need new ones? Yeah, he he kind of looks like a, a, a Ramada in bellhop. Sometimes we're trying to get the we're trying to get a little bit less material on Barry. Uh, but hey, that you know, farm boy for Saskatchewan, he wants them nice and loose and comfortable. I guess just in case he has to sleep in them. And he can stay warm. But, uh, yeah, it's good to have Barry down there. And then we were in Vegas for game two. I was doing the calling the game with A.J. Malesko and Brian Boucher. So it's going to be fun for me to do the point. I just got done doing the point today, an hour-long show on ESPN that they've never really, we've never really had before in this country. And then, um, and then so to do that and then to go do games as well. For me, I like to do both. So right now it's a perfect mix for me. So do you uh, have a, a favorite team yourself? Like, I, I know you're a big college hockey guy. I feel like that's where you spend, uh, focus a lot of your attention. Do you, are you a lifelong guy? I know Kipper's a former whaler. You're in whaler country. Was that where your allegiances uh, used to lie? No, I grew up a Bruins fan. I grew up around the Pittsburgh area, but my dad was born and raised in South Boston. He played high school hockey without a mask at Boston Latin. 
So when he moved to Pittsburgh in his mid-20s, thought he'd be there for a couple years, stayed for 30. He worked for Sears and Roebuck, uh, the old Sears store manager. So he was a huge sports fan. We would listen to Bruins games on the radio. That's how I kind of got introduced to the game. So, with, you know, with your imagination as a young kid, to learn the game on the radio, your imagination runs wild. So to hear these old fights and brawls in the 70s, it just seems so gothic to me, like a My Chemical Romance video, and it just really stuck with me. I loved all four sports, but there was something punk rockish and different about hockey. And plus, none of my friends were fans, so I felt like a, you know, it was, I was like, it was a cool thing to listen to because it never really got commercialized. It's like when you have a favorite band, you love them when they're not real popular. They get huge, and then you feel like, oh, that's not my band anymore. It's mm-hmm. everybody's band. So it was always, I always felt like it was my sport. I collected hockey cards. I did everything. So, yeah, but that was a big Bruins fan. And once you start covering the sport, as you guys know, you kind of lose that fandom because um, you meet players, you meet coaches, you root for people when you get in this business. So, Bucci, you were just as disappointed then as I was that Ryan Reeves and Tom Wilson didn't fight last night. <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, I, that's the one thing about doing the Vegas game the other night, the Vegas-Seattle game. At some point in the third period, I turned to Brian Boucher. I go, Brian, there hasn't even been a confrontation in this game, much less a fight. Nobody even pushed or shoved after the whistle. There wasn't anything. Uh, it got a little better at the end. But, you know, Vegas just doesn't have that component at all now. Besides the personality of Mark Andre Fleury, and then of course, um, you know Ryan Reeves, it's like man, they're gonna have to find some energy on some nights in different ways. Now Carrier wasn't in the lineup, maybe he can do that, but that's an important part of hockey, as you guys know. That's why I love Brad Marchand so much. Is he's maybe the best left wing in hockey, but he also provides that fuel and energy as a little pest. He's like the perfect all-around complete player in that way. You don't need you know Essa Tikkanen and uh, and Yari Curry. He could just be both. And uh, that, that's good in the cap era, especially with his contract. Just imagine the value he brings to a team. You don't have to have a pest in the fourth line because you already got one right here. So, uh, yeah, that, that's something I'm keeping an eye on with some of these teams when you don't have those energizers like that. But, yeah, I, I like a good scrap. Bucci, up here we know what the value is of a Canadian team going deep uh, for, for the network. Yep. Uh, it can't be any different for you guys down there. Original six teams. Exactly. I look at the New York Rangers, Bucci, and – uh, in so many ways, this is one of the youngest teams. And like Ottawa, they got a ton of uh, young talent. But I get the sense that they've got an owner in, in Dolan that says, uh, I'm firing uh, John Davidson and Gorton because I, I want to win right now. And do you, see, do you see the Rangers as a playoff team? Do you see them as a as a team that uh, can knock on that door, because based on what we saw as early as uh, last night, I'm going, they got some work to do. Jeff Gordon's a top-notch guy. I work with him at the draft. He's going to GM again. He did a great job solely building that team. I mean, who's better than John Davidson? That's takes a lot of balls to fire those two guys. I mean, Artemi Panarin is a top-10 player, but those young guys better produce Kako and Lafreniere, because if they don't, they're an ordinary team and they'll be a bubble playoff team. They are probably anyway, but to me it really depends on those guys because uh, after that, you know, there's just a, seems to be a lot of guys on that team outside of Panarin. And um, so, yeah, I, I'm a little concerned with them because I just don't see Kako as being special. I think Lafreniere has some special qualities. He certainly could be. Um, but, you know, if they're both really, really good, that could be good enough. Um, in a 32-team league now. But, yeah, I'm a little – I picked them to make the playoffs because I think they'll be right there. I think the goalie's good. Um, but, yeah, I, 
it wasn't a great first showing. And when you just look at their roster, you just look at the box score. It's like, hmm, where is this? Where is this going to come from? So we'll see. Bucci, I saw your name on uh, play-by-play the other day. I cannot imagine a harder job in sports than doing play-by-play for uh, for hockey. I don't think you had done it for a while. What goes into that for you? Is it is it as challenging as it seems to me from the outside? Well, when I was a kid, that was my dream. Like I said, listening to Bob Wilson call Bruins games on the radio and Dan Kelly when a game would be on TV once in a while and listen to all the other sports, I would turn the sound down on television when I, you know, uh, when I was a kid through my teenage years and, and broadcast games. And let me tell you, girls love that. You know, you know, I turn the sound <laughs> on the TV and broadcast sports. Great way to get girls, guys, uh, if you're wondering. But, um, uh, yeah, it's what I always wanted to do. I went to ESPN in 2006, asked if I could do college games two years after we lost the contract. I've done the last nine Frozen Fours. So, really, I thought I'd really be nervous the other night. It's the first NHL game I ever called. And it's a national game on opening night. And I was thinking maybe I'd be nervous going into it, but the, the days leading up to it and the day of the game, I was, I was fine. And uh, when I, once I got up there, you know, these Frozen Four games are in NHL arenas. So I just I put the headset on. I put the headset the same way, you know, everyone else does, the same way Bob Cole did. Um, yeah. and, so, uh, and so I just felt comfortable, and it felt great. It's what gets my blood flowing. I'm, I stand up the whole time. I'm emotional. That's the kind of person I am. So it was a dream come true. It felt great. And in, at this point in my career, I'll, I've been here 25 years at ESPN. That's what gets my blood flowing. So I'm excited. I'm, my next game is a, a week from Friday against the Sabres and Bruins. So, yeah. again, the call of the team that I was a fan of as a kid, that's pretty cool. Bucci, I want to get your thoughts on Ovechkin and the chase. We were just talking about that uh, just prior to you coming on. And what would that mean uh, as a storyline south of the border here? And again, with you guys coming back in play and Ovi uh, ever slowly getting closer to uh, a Gretzky, this is basically everybody chasing Hank Aaron. And how, how big can this story get south of the border? Uh, that's, that's funny you say that because the other day we were sitting around. And I go, I think this will be the biggest record chase. I mentioned Aaron chasing Ruth, and then someone checked me on it and said Ripken chasing Gary. I go, well, you're right. Those are the two biggest ones of my lifetime. Um, and, you know, Wayne chasing Gordy, obviously for hockey. Um, but the other sports, no one cares when you break the all-time NBA points record. Football doesn't care about any records, which might be actually a strength of the sport. They don't rely on them. Uh, but hockey doesn't really rely on that stuff like baseball obviously seems to do. Um, but this record, I think this will be the biggest one. Um, you know, he, he should do it in four or five years. You know, I asked him when he was 24 years old here on campus uh, doing that This Is Sports Center shot commercial when he was a Russian spy with Marlamov. So and uh, I asked him – and he seems shocked that I was asking him at age 24. And I wrote a column about it when I was writing a column on ESPN.com. And I projected every goal total throughout his, through his career up to age 40. And, uh, and I said, this is how he's going to do it. And, you know, I, there was some attrition. There was a couple years that were down. I, I did some comparables. Like when Steve Eisman was 37, he had a 30-goal year. And, and Brett Hall had a big high 30-goal year late in his 30s, as did Shanahan Esposito. Um, so now I, I did have him start to, you know, go down this year. I think I'd project him at 32 goals this year when he was 24. And after last night, it looks like he might get 40 or 45, which is only going to lower that you know, average he needs. Just needs 33 goals a year during this five-year contract to break it. And obviously this year and next year, if he can get a couple more 40-goal years, he'll lower that to like 28 goals a year in the last three, which shouldn't be a problem. And uh, so I think he's going to do it. I would be more shocked he doesn't get 1,000 goals 
then he doesn't break Gretzky's record. That's how confident wow. I am. Wow, I love it. That's that is bold. Um, before we let you go, I got to get your take on our local team here. We are a, a by and large a Leaf show. Uh, they are uh, a disappointment in the playoffs. The Toronto Maple yeah. Leafs. What is the perception of this team outside of our local market, where they make everyone want to jump off bridges? Yeah, that they're chokers and that they don't have what it takes, <laughs> oh, and that the GM oh. the, the GM made a bad decision with Tavares that kind of messed up the whole contract thing it's hard to add people that seemed like that was an unnecessary move although he's such a great player we'll see they still seem like an incomplete team to me uh i love austin matthews i think he's now the face of the league he's the best goal scorer i think he's overtaken Ovi in that regard i think we'll get 60 this year i think he's unique and magical and just an amazing player and i root for him hard um so you know i but i really love his and mitch marner's game i think they'll have playoff grit Austin's a good two-way player now, and it's. But I just worry about you know the back end and from the goalie to the blue line. Once they sign you know Tavares and, and they, that big chunk of change and have all those double-digit cap numbers, that makes it tough to build a team. So you know it, it's a small margin for error for sure. But they have the studs and they're young, so you know they'll get a little bit better. We're an older team, Penguins, Capitals, others, Bruins. They're not going to get better. They're just going to be what they are or a little worse. So that's that's the good sign is the youth can get better. Will Nylander make a big jump up, get closer to Pasternak, guy who's in his draft year, and then really become a big you know wagon of a team that can win with the East. They can win the East. The East is there for everybody to win. The Islanders, the Rangers, it's there. And certainly the Maple Leafs are in that category. Bucci, you know, you, you gave some real positive analysis there in the back half, but not one Leaf fan heard that. All they heard were <laughs> chokers, <laughs> chokers. Uh, you're right to hear it. Hey. I believe hey. in them. I believe in Mitch, and I believe in Austin. No sugarcoating here. Get Thanks, John, point, for kid. doing this. And enjoy the Anytime, rest of the boys. season. John Bucci-Gross from ESPN, and to the point. Thanks, Thanks John. Wow. Did he finish that interview? He's having a bang. <laughs> That's great. Chokers. Well, he, I mean, that is the perception outside of Toronto, right? Just and a it, tad. And it's, and you know, fairly justified, I would say. He's not wrong. No. <laughs> you know, That's... it's it's like sometimes you just need to hear the truth. As much as it hurts, you just need to hear it. Refreshing. All right, on that, we'll take a break here on, on Real Kipper and Bourne. Uh, nine games on tap, including Toronto and Ottawa. We'll put the bow on that, get you ready for puck drop. Well, no break? Oh, no break. All I right. love this show. This no is, break, Skip. We, we just never do breaks. It's the best. Oh, my gosh. All right, so let's put the bow on it. All right, perfect. Uh, let's start with you, JB terms of Toronto are we going to see a little bit uh, more emotion a little bit more passion to start this game you know it's going to be the home opener in Ottawa um, you know so there's going to be some excitement and some energy I think there's going to be a vibe of last night having started too slow that would have been the focus in today's meetings is last night we weren't ready to go from the drop of the puck what did Babs always say oh, got to start on time I think I think I think they'll have it at the start of the game tonight uh, they certainly should anyway. Uh, Ottawa's youthful and energetic, and there's going to be good pace in that early clip, I think. Yeah. You know who's going to be running? Sammy. Is Kachuk playing tonight? I would imagine he's no, playing. He's no, not. he's not no, playing he's tonight. He's going to be in the you building, but not can't dressed. Stick him in. Why not? No. He's, he's like an eight sheets. <laughs> yeah, you you can't get play? in there, kid. 
Can't play. Well, I was going to say play. that if he was playing tonight, he would be running around right off the hop. But I guess he's not going in. I'm surprised they're not playing. Why can't you just throw him in there? He hasn't been skating. You don't think they should play him, Kip? <laughs> he's taking is his he bank eligible? manager to dinner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or is it the bank manager taking him to dinner? Yeah. Today? Yeah. It's a mutual arrangement but they uh he'll be in saturday night they but they got the the sends back to back here okay so but, that's the night he'll be running around in which by the way for this leaf season i know this is uh gonna sound jinxy but like they're kind of a softball out of the gates here isn't it yeah they're not leaving the province for cup first week and a half they got well and send sends rangers sharks yep, you know they, they go four and oh or five and oh uh that's all people are gonna see i no one's gonna remember in november that you got off to a five-minute bad start is as much as you. We've made a point of it. it it's really the way it works, isn't it, guys? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, we- you just take your points right now, and it wasn't pretty last night, but they've got a chance to kind of get out of the gate a little better. Uh, Peter Morazic will see the start. Whether or not we see other changes in the lineup uh, remains to be seen, but. Peter Morazic wants to get off to a good start, and if if the players in front of him give him that first five or seven minutes, I'm not sure that it's a, it's a zero zero score. Yeah, you know this this Ottawa team kind of they kind of sneaky gave the uh, the Leafs fits last year. Like the Sens went four four and one against the Leafs last year in the Canadian division, which you know that's not ideal. Yeah, so, and that five one comeback too. Right, there was the five-one comeback. So, like, this is a team that that gives them a hard time. They're going to need Je- uh, Peter Mrazek to make a couple of saves out of the gates. I have no doubt the energy is going to be there for the Senators, and they're going to be that team that's annoying. That's the DJ Smith way, right? Lots of lots of energy, passion, grit, block shots, yada yada. So they're going to they're, they're going to bring it tonight. We, we just well, got a, and oh sorry, we just got I a text got... that says Kipper. We got to get that guy on every day. Leaf fans need that truth. We love living. <laughs> we, we love living in the in the clouds. Hashtag no break. So there we go. Let's get that text. No in. break. <laughs> We're like the no Masters, break. eh? Just like 48 minutes straight <laughs> yeah. or whatever it is, 56 minutes every yeah. hour. <laughs> you know, the other thing, too, is Ottawa's kind of a, a sneakier team when it comes to the physicalities here. Uh, Batherson, to me, is is a heck of a player and a, a complete player. And if we can recall uh, when, when, uh, when Nick Robertson got hurt uh, last season, I think, to start – it was Batherson that hit him, mm-hmm. and this is out with without Brady Kachuk. But I, I know DJ Smith; he's going to want them to come out and, and take some healthy runs at a few people here. <laughs> when I was at the Marlies, and you know, I'd go to the the Leafs dressing room. DJ Smith was there, and he's like, and he loves the tough stuff. And he'd look at me and be like, do, "Do you know what it's like to be the toughest guy in a room? Have you ever been the toughest guy in a single room?" And I was just, I, I just, I can't say I've experienced that. And he wants his team to be that. He wants his teams to feel like that. I know those young guys aren't those type of players, but he wants his team to have that sort of swagger that they are the toughest, toughest guys in the room. Is there going to be any moments when a guy like Sabrin goes and challenges a, a couple of the Leafs here and? I had mentioned that uh, Wayne Simmons, of course, in the preseason goes after Sabrin, but towards the latter part of the game, uh, that stuff, I think, for me anyways, needs to be addressed a, a lot sooner than that. But I, I, I'm, I'm anticipating, guys, an edgier game. It's a lot of pressure on Simmons because there's no one else. Who else is going to fight him? Like, Bogosian might have gone him in the past. Uh, just looking at their lineup, Amadio is a guy who gets like 12 pims a year. Spezza. 
know, well, Angle, if, who's going to fight this guy? The, the, it's it's a legit question, and if if you feel like there isn't, then that gives you a credit card, man, to go and do whatever you want out there. Talk to whoever you want. Get in the faces of the, some of their better players. Yeah, it'll have like to be Stutzel and and challenge these kids. Yeah, well, there is still intimidation. There's still a little intimidation. Don't don't we agree? Oh yeah, no, that's still a very rare thing. Um, one thing Sammy wanted us to to chat about a little bit that we didn't get to earlier in the show uh, is across the uh, the country and Zach Hyman. Um, did you happen to see last night the uh, the effort he had to put in to score that uber talented goal? Yes, yes. I. <laughs> what were your thoughts on that? I, I think he's hoping for about uh, twenty five of those all year. Yeah, if Just... you, it's radio, so you can't see it, but it, it Connor McDavid. No looking a seam pass on the power play to Leon Dreisaitl, who one touch, no looks a seam pass in Hyman. Yeah. Toxic. You know in. what's interesting, though, which I, you wouldn't think after he signed that massive deal that, that, uh, Pooley RV would be playing two more minutes than Zach Hyman in the home opener. What did he play? Hyman? Do you know? I, I think Pooley RV had 20 minutes, guys. And I, I'm telling you, he, he's turning himself into a player, too. Hyman was seventeen twenty nine last night. Seventeen twenty nine. I I don't know if there were fifteen games where Zach Hyman played less than than that for the Toronto Maple Leafs. God, he played a ton here. Didn't there, he? there was. Uh, I did we have Mitch Marner leading the team, or maybe even all NHL forwards last year? The most in the NHL among forwards, twenty two and a half minutes a night. Yeah. Hyman and was Zach up over Hyman nineteen. Wasn't that far? He was up over nineteen per game last year. So. So I wonder, do you think he was overused here? Do you think he's in a better slot there, or are they not using him enough? Like 17 and a half, I don't know. That's not much. All I got to say is watching that game last night and seeing him score and look so happy, it almost felt like a like an ex-girlfriend scrolling through an Instagram being like, I gotta, <laughs> I can't be looking at this. Like, hey, him, he just looks so happy. <laughs> I actually was watching the game. I was sitting on the couch. He scored, and I legitimately shut off the TV yeah. and went to bed. I was so upset. I was like, I don't want to watch this. It's just going to be too much, so... Uh, didn't love that, but you know, I loved Hyman as a Leaf, and it just was tough to see him being so happy somewhere else, guys. I, I think for the Oilers that if they can, uh, on some nights, keep his minutes down, I would worry about that he plays the game so hard on the wear and tear. Yeah, and I need this guy after eighty-two games. I think that's where again he could he he can be a a, a game seven type of guy leaning on guys and just making sure that he creates enough room out there for the McDavid's of the world, the dry sidles, power play, even strength, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. I, I, I'm comfortable with Zach 16, 17 minutes. And I'm also comfortable with Mitch Marner. I think he was under 20 minutes, if I'm not mistaken, last night, which again, when we speak of the massive minutes that change. he had last year, that's a massive, what was Mitch at? I don't have that in front of me. Come um, on, Sammy. You get Sammy to pull it up. By the way, Kipper, I don't think anyone who played for the Leafs the last few years can be labeled as a game seven guy. You just, you can't, you don't get to have that moniker, that label. I know yeah. what you mean. I know what you well, mean. Well, a, a style of play. Yeah. St- style of play for me is, is, uh, is leaning towards a, a guy that should be a key performer or contributor yeah. in a best of seven. He's and comfortable in traffic, right? He can he's not, slog through again, it. Again, I'm not trying to make him out to be something that he's not. You know, when you when you say that he drives Marner or Tavares when he was on their lines, I mean, that's a bit of a stretch. He's a good hockey player. He's an honest hockey player. Works his butt off. 
It's great on the Ford mm. check, uh, but you can't make him out to be a, a superstar. That's not Zach Hyman. No. Marner uh, was 1919 last night, fellas. Wow. There you go. That is right. 1919. Good. It means more minutes. If you can spread out the minutes. For me, Mitch Marner was tired last year at the end, guys. Okay. Yeah. Because I, of those I, I minutes that same. we just spoke of. I said the same. 22 and a half was a ton. Nine, you know, I wonder if that's a concerted effort or if they just thought that that line wasn't very good. Because we said here on this show that, you know, Marner Tavares Ritchie was underwhelming last night. You know, had you needed a goal, I'm not sure if you'd have put him out there. And defensively, you certainly didn't want to put him he out still, there. He still led the Leafs forwards a nice time with 1919. So, so it's just more spread around. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. And less time on the penalty kill, too. Yeah. That helps, too. The, um, so, that's one, the key. Yeah, one more thing before uh, we we wrap things up. The what are your thoughts on the Winnipeg Jets? Um, you know, I know we uh, hadn't got into them much, but you know, Elliot last night on uh, on the show called them the best team in Canada, and then they they no disrespect to Elliot, but they went out and got drubbed by the Ducks after that. Are the Jets for real? Are they better than the Leafs? They, they can they can they could go to a conference final. I I think that. Uh, Again, Lieber. Hellebuck has to be the best goalie. He's got to be Vesna. He's got to be that that back. I still, I still worry about their blue line, and I don't think it's been the same without Bufflin. And I, I look at uh, uh, Schmidt coming from Vancouver, and there's a lot of Brendan Dillon came lot, in, but there's a lot of feel on Nate Schmidt that you know he should be a five and six million dollar defenseman. But I didn't see it in Vancouver, and I'm just not sure what they're getting. But I can guarantee you, it still ain't replacing Bufflin. It's the blue line for me, I think, ultimately. Yeah. I'm worried about. Yeah. You know, I I had been complaining about that team and saying that, boy, the D is so bad. And, you know, he may not be, you know, Schmidt, he may not be elite elite, but I think he's better than what they had. I think Dylan shores things up nicely, too. Um, yeah, they're better than they were. I still think the, the Leafs are handily the better team. But that that was a disappointing loss. And uh, Anaheim... The Ducks are supposed to be terrible. Seem to be playing with house money. I guess uh, I guess when everybody writes you off, might be a little easier to, to come up with a win like that. All I know is just fun to see someone else play other than the Canadian team. I turned on Edmonton-Vancouver last night, and I was like, oh, God, I got to do this again. Show me a Rangers game. Give me, give me the Bruins. Nine... Games on tap tonight. Clearly, the most, uh, the busiest of uh, of the three so far we've had in the National Hockey League. But uh, the one that we'll be watching, of course, Toronto and Ottawa. Final thoughts, Sammy, JB. What happens tonight? How about another low-scoring affair? Two-one, Toronto Maple Leafs, back to back. Four-one, Mrazek, good start for the Leafs. Five-three, <laughs> Leafs. All right, that's it for Real Kipper and Born. Sammy, Derek, thanks uh, as always. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll be back tomorrow for our instant analysis.